0: I'm Simon Marin, and I'd like to welcome you to the very first in the Mind Matters podcast series. I've got a really fascinating chat to come up in the next few moments and it's with a guy called Stephen Finlayson who is former British Army uh, RAF Regiment. He has worked as a personal trainer since leaving and is now engaged in mentoring in schools to help kids with the mental health side, the stress, Dealing with bullying, etc., and helping kids really become aware of the resources available to them, and to recognise and bring out the very best in themselves, which I think is uh, hugely applaudable. And also, he's had a few encounters and is getting much more involved in helping veterans as well. Obviously, being a veteran himself, it's close to his heart as it is mine. And uh, I'd like to introduce you to Stephen now. So good morning, Stephen. Um, Really appreciate you taking the time out today to to have this discussion because I think it's going to be quite interesting um, for for you, for me, and anybody else that listens to this. So it's good. It's good. So thanks again.
1: Uh, good morning, Simon. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time.
0: So the idea of this this is this is the um, this series, this podcast series is called Mind Matters. So the principle behind. Uh, I suppose my theory, which is not different to, to many other people's, is that because our brain is where our mind is, and our brain is obviously linked to every aspect of our body through our spinal cord and nerves that then run out of it, we cannot. What you know, where the mind is affects the body. So if it's an if your mind's in a good place, your body's going to be responding according to that, and vice versa. You know, if your mind's a mess and it's really negative and and kind of beaten as it were then the body's going to respond to that too and this is where lots of the psychosomatic symptoms from all sorts of things come along so i want to look at how people have naturally developed psychological resiliency to kind of the, the, the harder life events that happen yeah. uh and and then how that's that's how they've developed that without actually realizing how they've had bounced back and been more positive and stronger after negative life events. Um, and then because quite often that then sparks in people curiosity to go, and actually, I, I got through, that was horrendous. And I've come out of that and I'm, I'm, I'm stronger, healthier, better than I was before. What can I now do, uh, and be proactive to help me, you know, better prepare for other things that might come along in life. Yeah. So, really want to look at things that have happened to you in your life, how you've responded really well, and looking, having, obviously, the beauty of hindsight and looking back on it, what's actually, what have you done? What have you learnt and what have you taken forwards and taken from those things?
1: Right, okay. Um, do, you want, do you want a little bit of my backstory first?
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
1: Kind of where I'm at now, so... left school, no GCSEs, didn't apply myself, pretty much just bummed about, didn't take anything seriously, left school, then realised what I'd been doing for the last couple of years was foolish not to stick in, um, but it kind of funnelled me into um, a career I wanted to go in, which when I joined the military, I joined the army, British army at 17, and um, it was a massive wake-up call, and I think that's what I needed over school. So I think that's where I really started to learn a little bit more and start to apply myself to things, purely because I didn't really have any other choice. Uh, at school, yeah. you have a choice; you can either sit there and toss it off for thirty minutes to an hour and not do anything, and then get shouted at, or um, when you're in when you're in basic training, if you don't uh, pull together and you don't lie yourself you'll get punished and that punishment usually reflects on everybody else in in the in the platoon or in the in the um, section so you don't want to be seen as the guy that lets everybody else down so that was where I kind of really kind of found that discipline because the school circuit never instilled that but the military certainly did so that's where I really started to grow up a little bit more not a whole heap um, but I started to understand the, the, the importance of education and discipline and applying yourself. Then um, at 21 I decided that I didn't really want a career in the, in the army anymore, so I left. Um, I'd I done a tour in Northern Ireland in 2000, so that was a massive wake-up call. Because um, you, you, re- you didn't realise that these things were going on. Within our sort of, um, in such such close proximity, you know, you think these things were involved in countries afar, but for uh, the sectarian violence, everything that was involved uh, there, the rioting and everything, it was kind of a massive wake-up call to think, well, you know, this is their this is their mindset, this is their attitude, this is how they react to everything. Yeah. Be destructive so that kind of gave me a little bit more of an outside perspective like but why would you want to do that to instill or try to uh, encompass a future when it's just revolved around destruction and violence and and, uh, hate and all this sort of thing but obviously that's because that's been instilled in them from their parents and from previous generations so that for me was something that's never really going to get fixed unless there's uh, a definite solution to it which they could never draw up, but that's that's a topic for another day. But that, for me, kind of opened my eyes up to, like, flipping heck, you know. The, the understanding um, uh, an open mindset and, and opening up to other avenues and other opportunities can break you away from what you've been conditioned to, from what your parents have told you and their parents and so on and so on. And, so on. Um, and then I went back to Civvy Street hated it, um, just because there wasn't any discipline there, there wasn't any structure uh, I ended up in and out of jobs for a few years and I thought, right, I need to get myself back in, so then I joined uh, the IDF Regiment in 2005 and then I had a, a very thriving positive uh, exciting career uh, be it people can say what they want about the Regiment uh, <laughs> be a lot of stick um, but up a lot of opportunities, opportunities to me I got to work with some fantastic people from all um, remits of all tri-services the navy the the army I got to work with some fantastic people and, and you know obviously foreign nationals as well uh, and yes. foreign forces um, done a tour of Basra um, 2006 then deployed to Afghanistan in 2008 and um they were the only two tours I did, and then subsequently I left in 2011 So each one of those tours taught me something different. Um and it was almost like going back to Northern Ireland in two thousand where you've seen all this sectarian violence and things, but this was like tenfold now, because these guys, you know, were literally blown blown other blown their own kind up, blown their own people up. Yep weren't holding back, they weren't pulling the punches they were they were going all out and obviously the, the violence towards us was increased, they definitely wanted to make a, a, an impact on taking one of us out or taking one of us down so we have, had to be very much on our guard I guess um, so I think each one of these experiences um, does kind of leave an imprint on how you think um, i um I wouldn't say anything that I I uh, was involved in in either tour was a negative. I would I would always take that as a uh, an experience that which, from which I can learn from, um, and that's just just my personal interpretation. From I don't see it as anything as a negative. I just see it as maybe just a little test to see how you can overcome that um, and not allow that that incident or experience to halt you in your tracks but more to try and find a solution to get around it and move on as opposed to allowing that to be a consistent and constant barrier in your life yeah okay potentially holds your you know holds you back Uh, and, and from because of these experiences and things like that i've got to see a whole host of things um and what i'm trying to do now is um trying to instill that within schools, within young people at schools that are going through their GCSEs and sixth form, want to try and get them into higher education. Um, kind of going back a little bit, when I'd left the, the regiment, I'd then gone into personal training and then um, kicked that career off. So I've got to learn a lot about the human body, how it works, physically, psychologically, nutrition as well, the same two facets with that. And, and I think I've, from the experience that I've learned in the military to the experience that I've learned dealing with people on a one to one helping them overcome their boundaries in terms of helping them achieve their goals because you can have the best diet, the best training plan but if your brain's stuck in a certain way of thinking it, it, you, can, you can throw everything at them including the kitchen sink it's not going to change, nothing's going to change that internal dialogue at all until you knowledge that there's something there that's inhibiting you from progressing forward so you need to figure out what that is once you figure out what that is you need to try and find out solutions to that then you can start moving forward Um, and then once I realized this this is when I started want to mentor uh, young people at schools because that internal dialogue must be going through their minds just as just as much as a an adult who's in a nine-to-five or a or a corporate director, or anybody that's, that's feeling the pressure, these internal dialogues can obviously pop up at any given time, and kind of stop you thinking beyond where they're currently at, so that's kind of where I'm at with that, but um, I'm hoping to then transfer that skill set, and that experience over to people that have been in my, current, in my situation in the past, so helping people transition from the military into civilian street, there isn't anything there to really catch them and to kind of help them move into a direction that they want to see a career in, you know, they've already built a career in the military, we need to try and instill those skills and attributes and get them into a job or into an industry or into a lifestyle that reinforces that, so they're adding more value to not only the families, but to, to the job they're in or to the business they want to work on instead of like letting all those skills and attributes like dormant and then falling into the rat race or falling into a job where they're just kind of just turning up doing the bare minimum and then clocking off and then just doing that until the time's up. Um, I just feel that's a complete waste of life especially if, and it is a little bit of bias I guess for people that have served in the military because I, I do truly believe that you have to have a particular mindset to even Venture forward and put your hand up and say, "This is what I want to volunteer for," knowing that that there's every possibility that you could de- be deployed abroad, overseas, and you know, putting yourself up against um, the, the the challenges that the military can can bring. I think that just makes you more of a stronger person, uh, and I think people who, who do have a career in that are definitely worth their salt. And I'd like to see them do that throughout the whole life, and not just for a small chapter of the life. So that's a very
0: long-winded uh, <laughs> story, and that's where I'm currently at now. No, I mean it's great because it, it that gives a really nice. You can see the transition through life of and uh, and one, some things that have really stood out. It sounded, I mean, when you're going right back to the beginning. You kind of, I think, you lacked self-discipline and needed the discipline, and there probably wasn't, by the sounds of it, the discipline that was right for you at school, which is why you left. And going into the, I know, I mean, I was, I was very similar, and I know so many other people as well that joined the military. Is school wasn't the right place for them to learn. (laughs) It was was the wrong environment, uh, wrong system, wrong setup. It just didn't gel. So. I, I, personally, I can I can completely relate to that, and and having that discipline and that structure in the army for you, it is a bit of a game changer, isn't it? Because it it shifts you, it gives you that structure that was lacking, so that you can actually focus on something. Because it's it's too easy to to drift and float at school, not knowing yeah. what you want to do, because there because there isn't that singular focus of of, of, of an end result. It's too open. Life at school, you're you studying five
1: different subjects a day and you're you getting an hour at these subjects and it's, it's just not enough. And so I can understand why kids now feel a little bit confused as to where the future leads and what they want to do. And that's because, as you say, it's not a, its not spearheading them towards something. You know, basic training, you're going from an absolute... Uh, no, I wouldn't say nobody, but you're going from... Someone who hasn't got any of that um, discipline or anything like that instilled in them, and they've basically come from a a Joe Bloggs into a into a soldier. that's learnt so many skills, you know, from weapons handling to map reading to um, survival to you know being able to iron and shave and clean yourself. You know, it's it's astounds me that when I was in, there was guys there that didn't know how to shave, I'm like, who the fuck, what's been going on here, what have you been doing, <laughs> you know, you don't know how to shave, and they were like, nah, or oh, they didn't know how to iron, granted I didn't really know how to iron, not properly anyway, it still looked like a ruffled up crisp packet even though I'd put the iron over it for like five minutes, but you know, it, it, it astounded me that a lot of these guys had nothing, like they had no, uh, no idea about anything. Even personal hygiene was just—it was incredible how some of these guys could function, and that—and that is where the military, I think, really kind of pulls that out of them and shows them that you know this is what you need to do in order for you to stay hygienic. This is what you need to do to keep your rifle clean. This is so you're learning a lot—not uh, just the discipline. It's—it's it's very. Uh, it was a massive game changer, and I think that's where a lot of people lack is having that um opportunity to to learn those things uh from a different perspective so other than school i think that's obviously where there's a little bit of lack in there
0: well yeah the, the i mean i don't envy the i mean the school system seems to be having two kids in school now and seeing how things are actually are and having friends who who are teachers I mean, their their hands are tied, and I I, I don't envy them <laughs> envy them one one iota, to be honest. Um, so having that discipline sounded like it, it it kind of and later on you talked about having an open mindset. I'm, the impression I got was that having that discipline and that structure did open your mindset, and obviously having that tour in Northern Ireland as well, and and the the way you, the way you we're trained in the military. It does, yes, there's a lot of discipline, but it develops a lot of self discipline as well. And it makes you, <laughs> talking about, you know, if you make a mistake in training, you know, the rest of your, your the, the, you know, you're in the army, you're in your platoon, they, they, they get punished because you've screwed up. Yeah. So it makes you responsible and accountable for your, for your actions, isn't it? And how it can affect the possible kind of collateral damage that you can create by, by messing up. And that equally, you know, in combat, it, it can have dire consequences if you screw up and you're not open about it.
1: So, yeah, de- definitely. Yeah, um, it's um, it, it, it's a it's a golden opportunity for you to bond with the people that are in your section, platoon, um, and, and squadron and whatnot. It, it, it gives you that golden opportunity to bond with them and forge good relationships. Um and also gets you to kinda stop and think before you act. Instead of acting on impulse, you've got to you've got that just that split second where you think, right, before I do this, what are the consequences? And that it might slow the, the thought process down ever so slightly but just that split second of realisation and catching yourself before you do anything on impulse or reaction could potentially save you from landing yourself into seriously hot water, you know, not just on the battlefield but in, in life as well, you know, um, just lashing out or saying the wrong thing in the wrong situation or, Absolutely. or you know, doing something just on impulse, you know, it, it can lead to, you know... It can take you down some really narrow and dark paths that you know sometimes people don't know how to do the 180 and return back from. Um, so I, it does it does definitely help in that sense having having that discipline as you say just to kind of make you just stop just for that brief second just to catch yourself before you, you do make a decision on you know whether it's um, you do or you don't so to speak. Yes. Yeah. To that.
0: very definitely. I mean, you I'm sure you've heard the, the Navy SEALs have got a great expression slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm. And it's very true, it is you know, slowing things down just that little bit so you don't go headlong through a door <laughs> and blow yeah. yourself up and everybody else. Just take you know, assess the situation, you assess what's going on and assessing what's, what's about to come out of what's in your brain and what might come out of your mouth and make, <laughs> make things worse yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I mean we're, we're all human beings and we all firmly ram both feet down our own throat sometimes and that's just part and parcel of, of life but learning to to hit the pause button every now and again and, pr- and, and applying it more and more often I think uh, as you get older you tend to listen more and talk less yeah well yeah, that- most people do. I know some people who still tend to just run off and uh, headlong straight into, you know, spiky brick walls and stuff. But you know, yeah.
1: uh, you know, I, I still have a tendency to do that. Sometimes I don't know when to stop talking, so uh, I need to think about what. I'm going to say next, and whether I can round that off before I start labouring the point too much. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, but it's... it's a work in progress.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all are. Certainly, <laughs> but it's you know that's especially when when you're clearly as as passionate about something that you're doing now, having moved on from the personal training or moving on from the personal training side, and focusing on um, the mentoring in schools, which I think is a um, a fantastic uh, project to to kick off because I've, I've done a little bit of work in schools up here in Aberdeenshire, and and stress in schools for kids these days seems to be on the rise. There's a lot of self harming as a result of bully, you know, bullying. Bullying's rife online and kind of in person. Um, exam stress. And kids don't seem to be as resilient to it as in the past. I'm not sure whether that's uh, just hindsight, you know, from being being older now and being out of that side of things, uh, pretty much. How how do you see you're going to bring your experiences and the skill sets that you've learned and developed into into helping these kids? What is it you, you, you plan to do?
1: So, um, the the idea really is to um, help nurture and grow their mindset. And, and while that might sound a bit woo-woo and fluffy, <laughs> um, it it you know some people will go, well, what, what's that got to do with it? But you know, as you say, if there's a disconnect between your brain and your body, one of them's going to outdo the other, and it's probably not going to happen in a positive way. You know, this is how people gain weight. This is how people lose too much weight and have eating disorders. And that's on both ends of the scale. Um, and I, I believe social media plays a big element to that because we're so exposed to so many things now. I don't think we can comprehend how much availability we have to resources. So when when I was at school, and likely when you were at school, we, obviously we didn't have that access. So, yeah,
0: you know, when... When there was things of bullying, it was easily resolved because it was only a small pocket of that, so you could deal with that in in a hopefully
1: a constructive way. Um, but social media now, because it's you've got the keyboard warriors, everybody seems to gang up, and then you've got you've got gangs and gangs of gangs of gangs, uh, and then you know it just all piles in, and then people just sharing stuff because it's it's at somebody else's expense and things like that. So. Um, the stress is there to, you know, uh, on kids to make sure that, you know, they're not opening themselves up to that, but also being able to enjoy social media for what it is. And that can relate into school as well. So, school's there to try and do its part, but I think the schools put the pressure on them there because schools need to have performer quotas. So, they need to say, look, you know, you need to perform at this this stage and you need to be hitting your exam results at this and this and this so applying that pressure on them is kind of getting them to grow a little bit faster than what their brains are able to sort of take in at this point because kids shouldn't feel them those sort of pressures, you know, here's your work here's what needs to be done uh, just do your best and you know, if you need any help then we can help you with that but you know, now it's like You need to hit this you need to hit that you need to do this you need to do that and it's it's unfair on the kids for them to put those expectations on them when they don't feel right about them maybe they don't feel like they're, they're capable of doing that themselves so my idea is really just to say look you are capable of doing whatever you want to do providing that you want to do it but you need to fix where you're currently at now so if there's something stunting your growth or your, your inner potential, you need to acknowledge that and then, you know, circumnavigate around it and say, look, well, you know, if it's um, if it's your friends kind of saying, oh, you'll never do that, and this, that, and the other, or people doubting you, then you obviously need to change that. So it's either changing who you knock about with or it's looking at their attitude and turning it around and saying, well, actually, I'm going to use that as a driver because I'm going to show you that I can do that. Yeah. Um, and, and also, when people have and kind of giving them this this um, inner knowledge that when someone is kind of hating on what you're doing or doubting everything that you're doing and um, tries to put you down, then you need to understand that that's nothing to do with you, but more to, to do about them and their insecurities that they they're afraid and jealous and everything else intertwined in that because you're want to make those steps, you're one to advance, you're want to grow, you're want to really push the boundaries on your own uh, learning and development that they're afraid of that because that would mean that you probably don't want to knock around with them anymore you don't want to be around them because you're better and that's what they think in their own mind that everybody's better than me so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull everyone back to my level and then I can feel better about it because I've halted everyone else's progress and everybody can stay in line with me. I think kids don't understand that, and once they understand that, it just would just open up so many doors to think. Well, I know it's nothing to do with me, so I'm not going to take that personally. I'm actually going to look at them and empathise with them and say, you know, is there anything I can help you with? And if they knock you back, then obviously they don't want the help. But if they, if they come forward and say, look, you know, maybe there is. I, I just really don't know don't know what to do. Then you know now you can work together on that. And that's what I'm trying to do with these kids by pairing them up and saying, look, what's your attributes? What's your skills? What are you wanting to do? And then find the right people in the room and connect them together and say, right, now as a couple, as a duo, let's do what you want to do, but 10X it. Because it's about networking and bringing people together and helping one another out. Just like what the military would do with us, you'd get paired up with someone who had... uh, their strengths and you had your strengths but they, they would do it in a way where your weaknesses would be the other person's strengths yes. and they would help and nurture you and build you up with that uh, rather than having all the strongest pairs together and dominating the group and dominating the pack it would split them, pull them apart and allow that leadership and skill set to really flourish by helping someone who isn't as up to speed with that particular uh, skill or that particular lesson And I want to try and integrate a lot of that into into these kids at school now because that's what helped me learn. Because the school system has their own agenda. The military has their own agenda. If if you could somehow uh, piece that together, I I fully believe that the two would definitely go hand in hand. Um, Not just from the discipline aspect, but just about like commandership, you know, helping one another out. Uh, being more aware of things before you open your mouth or you engage into something, understanding that when people are bitter and twisted it's nothing to do with you but more to do with them and possibly just putting your hand out and saying, Look, do you want some help with it? Yep. And they can either take it or they don't. And then that's entirely up to them. And if they don't want to take it they can't help them. Because they've got to be able to step forward and say, Yeah, I do need the help before the,
0: before you before anything that you could do is gonna have an impact on them absolutely like you mentioned earlier is the open, having an open mindset but in, ter- in terms of um the kind of the, the psychological that in terms of psychological resiliency the things that you've learned the key the kind of key skill sets that you've learned and developed through your life to now what are the key what are the if you were to give your top three what would you what would you pass on to these kids in in your mentoring
1: in terms of resilience
0: yeah
1: um there isn't, there isn't such thing as a good or bad situation. Um, you've got to look at it with it with a neutral aspect. Um, so while things might look like it's doom and gloom, you've got to look at it a neutral aspect. You can't get emotionally involved with it. Otherwise, those emotions that because we are emotionally driven, we are emotionally built human beings, and that's yep. how we that's how we mm-hmm. function. So you've got to look at something with with a neutral. Uh, outlook and say right is this really as bad as it is or can i improve on that and that's going to build up that resilience because you're not looking at anything as a positive or a negative it's neutral yes um, like having that neutral stance you can turn that neutral into whatever color you want so if you um i'm going to use the analogy of a paint and decorate if someone comes in and the walls are black how are you ever going to get rid of those black walls unless you paper over them and then you paint it again but under those walls are still going to be black you're never going to shift that uh, and it's the same as if you went in the room was bright yellow or red you know you got it's going to take a lot of paint to try and change those colors if you go in with a neutral aspect you can tweak those colors however you want you can also revert it back as well to how it, how it was previous. So if you look at something with a neutral aspect, you're always going to have the upper hand over how that situation is going to pan out because you haven't resigned yourself to be a good or a bad. It is what it is, and you can improve on it if you like, or you can sit on your hands and allow things to manifest itself and dominate you and dominate your thoughts and your emotions and pull you so far left that you you didn't even remember what the initial... uh, the initial instance was that's pulled you there. Because you've got yourself so yep. entangled with so much other shit that you are now just like a, a giant elastic ball where you wrap all the elastic bands around one another and you create the ball and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You can't see that original elastic band that started that now because you've you've taken all the other shit of the day on. Yep.
0: So that that would be my that would be my, my first tip. And then ne- the next one is um I tell you what, you there's know, so much going on in that analogy you just painted. There, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. There's there's masses of layers in there.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it, and, you know, obviously, my outlook on things is just just come from. I haven't got an, an exceptional story. I haven't been involved in anything massively traumatic that's made me think like this. Um, it's just something that I've just come to realise that I. I didn't want to live like how I was living at 17, 18 year old, a very angry, violent, uh, teenager. I didn't want to live like that because it was only one pathway for me. Yeah. Uh, and I've narrowly, narrowly escaped jail a couple of times because of, because of that, those violent tendencies and, and that outlandish behavior and, and, and put myself forward into a situation where it's just got out of control. Um, so a bit of a digression there but I didn't want to live like that anymore and that's not who I wanted to be and that built a reputation up for me I still get that reputation now 15, 20 years on I'm like oh, that was when I was 17 I'm fucking 37 now if you're going to hold on to that what does that say about you because that's not who I am anymore you maybe could sit down and have a brew with me and figure out who I am now and if you like that person who I am now that's great, we could, let's be friends but if we're not I ain't going to waste any time worrying about what you're thinking because I don't give a fuck.
2: Yeah. <laughs> because you're
1: still stuck in that past, it's 17 years ago. Yeah. This is who I am now. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to correct all those wrongs. So that's that'll be the next thing I kind of put to them look, you know, where you are now doesn't necessarily determine who you are in 10, 15 years. It's how you cultivate who you are now determines who you are. 10 to 15 years so you've got to start thinking about that now and start thinking about the processes now that are going to make you that better person um, I heard from it was Earl Nightingale's ebook uh, Leading the Field There was a, there was a segment in there where it says act how you want the world to be so acting towards someone is how you want the whole world to be and the whole world is your world. It's how you create it. Um, nobody's influences or anybody else's world should should enter who you are, unless you unless you open up that that gateway. But you've got to make sure if anyone's coming in that they're going to add to it, not take away. Um, Absolutely. And you've got to really really be picky about who you who you, who you let into that. And, and so that really stuck with me. It's, you've got to treat the, you've got to treat people and treat situations like how you want to see the world and that just makes you a better person regardless
0: massively you don't think that's that's more important skill sets to teach kids than some of the stuff they learn in schools
1: oh 100 this this is all life skills and unfortunately um we're, we're in this day and age now where teachers are becoming younger and younger and younger so they they go to school they go to college they go to university they get the teaching degree Ban the straight back into the schooling circuit again. Like, how is that going to benefit kids? Yes, you're fresh. Yes, you're young. You're energetic. But you're not that much older than some of the pupils in that school. Yeah. You know, they're not going to. They're not going to look up to you as a person of influence. And um, and teachers should have that that dominance within in this in the school as an influencer, and, and not someone who who just writes on the board and shouts and screams when someone's being unruly, but just having a little bit of authority in that room, having a bit of an influence, but not being that person that these kids can't come and approach. And hearing some of the things that my nieces tell me, my oldest niece especially, about how some of these teachers act, that's like, you can't go around treating kids like that. You can't do that. You can't talk to them this way. And it, I almost feel like, some of these fuckers need pulled into basic training in the military to get them to pull their socks up. Yes. Say, look, if this is how you're going to treat kids. This is this is how they're going to pan out. You know, and you need to understand that you can't treat people like that. And, yeah, you used to get showered and screamed and everything else out within the military, and there was usually the odd fist getting clenched, and you get the odd whack here and there. But I tell you what, you never made that same mistake again there's no way, uh, and I, I don't condone the violent aspect of it, uh, and it wasn't necessarily a fear thing that they instilled in you, like not to mess up, but it, it's very hard to explain, um, unless you've been there, and you'll know this yourself Simon, that yes. when you mess up, it, it's not a fear of, of um, being physically hurt or anything like that, it's like shit, I, I've let everybody down and uh, I better not allow that to happen again because I'm letting myself down and people aren't going to trust me and people aren't going to come to me to 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 help them with it and all you're going to do is ostracise yourself you're going to be known as, the, as the, the 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 guy that nobody wants to freaking knock around with or the guy that you can't be trusted with like can I leave him a kit here yeah yeah i don't leave it with him you know they'll end up walking off with it or someone else will take it because you know there's there's so many reasons why you don't want to be that
0: person. Absolutely, I have very uh, distinct memories of being given the option for to take troop sergeant's punishment, <laughs> or I can get marched in front of the company sergeant major. So, and yeah, have stuff go on your record. So it was a no-brainer, really. Just take a quick dig in the face around the back of the company <laughs> lines, and that's it. <laughs> it's, it's, you can
1: move on from it. You know, you're not
0: holding on to that. Yeah, there's no grudges. No, there isn't. It's
1: water under the bridge. That's ch- absolutely. That's ch- and let's, let's start afresh. And you're exactly right. And, you know, you, it's, teachers can't go around freaking digging kids. <laughs> start doing.
0: Uh, as tempting but, as it might be with some of them, I'm sure. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure there is. I'm, I'm sure a couple of them maybe deserve a little uh, backhand here and there. Not that I condone it, but, uh, you know, it's... Um, there's, there's always that uh, sour taste left within the pupils against the teachers and you know i was speaking with some young uh young people the other day and they were like oh this teacher's a dickhead and and i said like well, i'm gonna first of all let's change the language of that are they really a dickhead or are they just doing their job and you don't like it because it's a lesson that you don't really and then it's kind of like reverse engineering and they go well yeah i guess it's not he's just doing his job i says so you've got to look at these things from a different perspective, because you can't go around labeling anyone a dickhead because they're doing something that you don't like, they're doing it because they're either told to do it because that's their job or that's who they are as a person, so you just move away from it or you just get on with it, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of just the mentality instead of uh finding yourself oh, it's this, it's that, and then going in with a, a negative mindset, you're not going to learn from that, you know. You there put a spin on it
0: there's a lot of negativity I, I noticed more more and more after I mean I left the military in 99 so I've been out a while and <laughs> and I've, I the difference in, in mindset the military is a very uh, it's it's opportunity oriented it's solution focused yes we know there's a problem but we don't need to focus on that we need to focus on the things that we can do to fix the problem mm. the problem just gets parked we don't that's irrelevant that's that's, yeah. that's you know, a waste of time focusing on that achieves nothing. And predominantly, I think that I've noticed in the civvy world is that it's much more problem focused. Mm. Not, I mean, just this is kind of being very generic here. Yeah. But more so than the the, the military, it's it's massively uh, problem focused as opposed to looking at the solutions. And there's a lot of lot of negativity and and so much backstabbing. That the the whole mindset and perception is 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 hugely different which is why i think we struggle when we come out is because it's such a culture shock
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> having to immerse yourself all of a sudden because when i when i left i didn't on my, my resettlement course because i was when i was medically discharged i was actually discharged before i'd finished my resettlement course and then i heard nothing from that was it i was done dusted washed their hands of me and that was it and I had to adjust again I'm like whoa now what the fuck do I do uh, I did. <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> and it was just very bizarre to have this real positive get-go attitude and come up to so many brick walls it was it was I, I, initially I found it really hard. I don't know how you manage it. Yeah, I mean, you you've, you work your way through it because because of that military perspective of, right, well, I know what, I can't do that, so let's do this instead. And you just keep moving along, you test and adjust until you get something that works. Yeah. I think what you're doing in, in, in the mentoring piece with kids is to instill that mindset, that open mindset, being positive, Slowing down, not jumping in straight away, all guns blazing, (laughs) as you said, engaging brain before opening mouth, is is massive because as you see it all the time, kids. I mean, kids will always argue and fight and kick off with each other in physically, verbally, whatever, and that's just that's human nature. Can't you're not going to stop that? That's that's something that's going to you know as and when that changes. But you can learn to change it as you get older, and the sooner people, kids in school, learn from people like yourself to do that, and to perceive themselves and other people and the whole world around them differently and more positively, it can only be a good thing.
1: Mm, definitely, definitely, um, and you're never too old to do that.
0: You know.
1: No that, God, no. Th- these, I think, uh, at the stage of that at school. I, I always say, I, I said to them, look, any, everything I'm telling you now, will probably go in one ear and out the other, and think, right, what a load of hogwash. I don't, I don't get what this has to do with me. I don't know why your story has any relevance to what I'm going through with GCSEs and what I'm going to do with my life because I already know what I'm going to do. And I said, what you will find is in five, ten years' time, some one, one instance is going to stand out, and you think. Ah, that's what he meant by that. That's what this is what he meant. You know, because I was I was very much the same. You know, if someone came in and start started talking to me about, you know, uh, having an open mindset. I'd be like, well, what's all that about? But I think it's there wasn't there wasn't that element when I was at school. So by me going in, I'm already planting the seed and saying, look, mindset really does matter. It's, it's having that meaningful yeah. an understanding that your mindset is going to drive you or it's going to stop you there's there's no, there's no um, sort of like no middle ground, you're either going forwards or you're going backwards or you're coasting but you're never really going to get anywhere with that uh, until you hit a brick wall or you lose momentum and then you really never figured out what, what caused that momentum in the first place um, and so, by having that that um, the concept of a mindset, and having that an open mindset, engaging now when they're a little bit more open to the idea, might help them in five, ten years' time. It might not be instantaneous, but prevention is better than cure. And, and as, people older, as people get older, people get older, they get more closed off. Like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, and look where it's got you. <laughs> Come on, you know, let's let's have a bit of more of an, an open mind about it. Oh, no, you know, I don't think that's right. My dad's a perfect example of that. You know, he's worked very, very hard throughout his whole life. And his, his business got flooded a few years ago. And so he had to relocate to another salon as a hairdresser. And then when he moved back to his salon... A lot of his customers didn't come back and he was oh, i've lost a lot of customers i said but do they know where you are no you need to tell them well i don't know I, it feels like i'm pestering them i says well how could it be how could they be pestering you if how could you be pestering them if they don't know where you are you need to tell them these things and he becomes so closed off to the idea that texting somebody because you know he's in his 70s so he doesn't really really understand the concept of text there's a text it's just like anything it's just a greeting hey just to let you know i'm back on back in my original salon if you're ever wanting a haircut please just book in with me and he, he was closed off to the idea because he just felt like it was going to be pestering somebody yeah because it, he hadn't advanced with with the whole technology side of it he just used the phone just answering. You know, make calls. You never really understood the text concept of it. But once yeah. I opened that suggestion, he went through his appointment book and he got like 10, 15 of his clients back. And and that's because you know, had I left him to his own devices, that would have been him. That would have been his choice. Um, but that took a lot of work. And I'm his son. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, kind of going back to as people get older and they get stuck into a routine, it's very hard to, for, for anybody to kind of help them with that because they've become so conditioned to that way of thinking Then that's the only way to think. And thinking any other other way would mean that they'd have to change what they're doing. And nobody likes change. So it's very much a, a connection, a link that leads on one to another. But unless you've got that chain fully linked back round, you're just going to get a dead end either way. And then all you're going to do is just have this linear. It's never going to be a full circle. You're never going to be able to gather momentum with it because the, the change. There's no connection at either end. So it's interesting, yeah, isn't it? A, a bit of a, a tangent there.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's, it's. It, I like the tangents. It, they're, they're, they're much more interesting in terms of the, the whole, the whole piece because it, it makes it more colourful. Yeah. And there's a lot more to come out because it's interesting. You t- Earlier on, you're talking about with the. Um, looking at things from uh, being uh, non-emotional and detached when looking, you know, when you take that step back, you pause and take the step back to look at a situation from a a non-emotional perspective so that you can be neutral and go, well, what's the best thing? What's going to get the best result here? If I go in like this, it's going to go to hell in a handbasket. If I do this, it's not going to change much. If I do that, maybe that'll do something. I'm not sure, but that's, that's, that, that seems like the best way.
1: Yeah. It's just—it's just, is... just giving—it's giving yourself solutions, isn't it? It's giving yourself options instead of resorting to type. So um, I was—I was—I was a very irrational and very impulsive, and I've got quite an, a, an addictive personality. So the three don't freaking gel together at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people say there's always two sides to you—you're like a Jekyll and a Hyde—and uh, not because i was a nasty person but i would react differently to, to different things and if something triggered an emotional response
0: step you better step out of the way because i'm going to come steaming through yeah
1: I, I, I don't care who i take down uh, and then the other side of it if it was an emotional response i think very rationally and think well no i don't want to do that oh well then you're selfish what's selfish about me saying no if i don't want to do something then you're not going to get the best out of it. I'm not going to enjoy it. So it's going to be an absolutely fruitless task. So yep. I'm saying no to probably safeguard our relationship or our friendship because I don't want this to uh, go into an escalate to an argument that's something you feel bitter about because I never applied myself to it because I didn't want to do it. So is it selfish or am I being selfful and thinking more about the longevity of what it is I'm trying to achieve here? So that, that's another thing that I want to try and get over to the kids, that you don't have to say yes to everything, that you can say no to, to things as well, uh, and, and using that kind of that, that perspective. Um, and being irrational and um, acting on emotions and impulse and having that um, addictive personality, I had to weed out what those things were that triggered those and say, right, I don't want to do that anymore.
0: How did, you, how did you do that? How did you identify that and weed out?
1: Uh I I read a book called The Chimp Paradox. Excellent book. It is a phenomenal book. That book revolutionized how I thought because I didn't realise I was doing these things. Okay. Uh, uh, and once I understood that, you know, you've got the three the three elements to your brain, you've got the you've got the chimp, you've got the logic, and then you've got the robot or the computer, um, I could work in those three those three dimensions rather than being one dimensional and allowing my emotions to uh, acting on those emotions and those emotions resulting in impulse and then this addictive behavior so I would try to remove myself emotionally from that and try to look at it from a logical aspect but not run it on autopilot so yeah this is why I was trying to say, now look at things in a neutral perspective, then decide which one of those three are going to you're going to decide with. So I can either act on this emotionally, with passion, and give it my forward and my utmost best. I can act with this with logic and think, is this really what I want to do? Because looking at this five years down the line, it's not what I want to be. So I'm going to say no. And I'm not going to just rely on impulse as in the robot or the computer just to say, well, every time a situation arises, this is how you normally react, bang, and it's autopilot. So it is that thing that you you learn from the military. Just stop, stand still, just for a, a brief second, and then think. You've got options here. Nobody's telling you what to do. Anything that you do now is all on you, and you... If you act out an impulse, irrationally or whatever, the consequences are going to be yours, not anybody else's. And and that's when I understood that, and that's when I started to really step back and think, wow, what an absolute asshole I was to some people. And why did I act like this? And why did I do that? And it questioned a lot of how I used to be. And and that, that book has really, really, really spun that on its head so I think of things now exactly how we have already described it and things have just got better and better and better I've made better decisions I'm in better friendships uh, I'm making better relationships with, with people again but yep. you know, I feel like I'm a better person I've still got a lot of work I'm never going to be the polished um, product um, because that, that self work is is something you have to do every single day without Everything fail Yeah. mindful of that the moment you think that you know oh I'm over that now that's the moment that you drop the ball and you mess up you know every time that we deployed away the, the last month of every tour you can guarantee the casualty rate would go up because yeah. guys were just not on the ball yeah. well I'm on the home straight now and we always used to get hammered into you look you're in the last month don't let your guard down keep vigilant you know, keep your, your skills and drills up to its highest as you did on month one exactly. because this is the month where you can drop the ball and shit can go sideways and I, I've took that lesson all the time so every time I, I'm in I'm, I'm work or I'm doing something I think about what I'm doing the consequences the actions and I just feel better as a person now I, I can't exactly say business has been booming but and it has obviously had its peaks and troughs, and that's just the, the, the nature of the beast. But I haven't let that determine who I am or how I react. I've then got to just stop, pause, and think, right, I've not had a great month. How am I going to turn that around? What, what other options have I got? What opportunities are out there that I can tap into to help bring that business back up to where it is? And having that, that outward perspective has allowed me to look a little bit more inward about who I am as a person, so
0: well that I mean that sounds like just you know a phenomenal insight that you had from just reading one book. Oh yeah, definitely. And multiple changes yeah. on, on many levels.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That must have had. I mean, looking back at it now, at how at that kind of little that transition from how you were before you read the book. And how long ago was it you read the book? Two thousand and fourteen. Okay, so in four years. Yeah. How much have you changed, and how how different, and how much how, be- how much better do you feel as a person compared to four years ago? <sighs>
1: Night and day, and you know. You hear these things all the time about, oh, that book changed my life. You know, it's not the book that changes your life; it's the work that you put in that changes your life. You yeah. can read the best book going, but unless you implement what they're teaching you, or you implement anything that they're kind of highlighting to you, then it's not going to make a shit of it, a difference to to you at all. So that book helped revolutionise how I think. I owe a lot to that book, but that book just opened up a few gateways, and it's the work that I've put in on myself yeah. that's really made that significant difference. Um, and it's the only book I've read from cover to cover. I've ne- it's very, very—I think I, I can't even count on, on one hand the amount of books I've I've read and I've got halfway through and ditched it, onto the next one, to the next one, onto the next one. On to the next one. That book I read from cover to cover, I gave it to, to someone recently for Christmas and I said, who's, go, who's going through a really bad time at the moment, and I said, seriously, you want to come out of this a bigger, stronger, happier person, read that book and do the work. Put the work into what that book's telling you to do and I, I'll guarantee it. You'll you'll look back at this and think, wow, that that is.'" That insight has really helped me power through a really um, bad time and the bad times it's a situation that's been put on them, they haven't decided for this to happen someone's really uh, put a situation on them that's really really not nice And and so for them to try and look at it as a neutral is quite hard when they've got someone else who's pulling the strings and I won't go into details, but I said you need to understand and read this book because once you understand and read that book, you can see how they're acting and then once you understand how they're acting and how their reactions are and how their attitude is, it'll be water off a duck's back because you know it's not personal to you. And you know that the stronger and the the happier you become, the more that will agitate them and they'll drop the ball eventually And, and and then that's where everything will come out. And you'll you'll be just be
0: like I told you I told you I told you. See, there's there's two expressions that two quotes that spring to mind. The first one is, "Life is ten percent of what happens to you and ninety percent of how you respond to it."
1: Definitely, it is. Yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly what it is. And the other one is there's no there is no failure. It's only feedback. (laughs) Because you just found one way that it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Another way that it does work, or find a better way of doing what you've just done to make sure that you know you improve this situation. Yeah, so yeah, it's um, it's I've enjoyed it though, I've enjoyed the last four years. You've learned a lot, you learn a lot about other people as well with that book. So that book isn't Absolutely. just about highlighting your own, uh, your own issues, but it really opens up to you know how other people think and. I think that's half the battle. Because once you understand how other people think, it helps you understand that dialogue better, and you know it's yeah. never about you; it's always about them. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, um, I have a course that I run. It was I put it together initially for um for the corporate market, and it but it's it's called Understand Yourself, Influence Others. <laughs>
1: Wow. <laughs> you think I'd already known that?
0: Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, is it. So, in terms of if you go going. Because there are distinct sections that you've described in your life as obviously at school, joining the army, back into Civvy Street, not liking it. Then into um, the RF regiment, and then leaving, doing the personal training, and now transitioning from that into doing the, the mentoring in schools and the work. You want to, you you, you already have helped veterans, um, and continuing to do that. And then I'll touch on that in a second because yeah. that's that's a really interesting, that's a powerful piece. And is there is there one section of that? Of your life in those stages that really stands out as the as the most kind of influential on you for you.
1: Um, one I can't think of one instance. Um, uh, I can It's I always remember this actually, and it, <laughs> it um it's a. Um, it's a weird one but it kind of highlights exactly what that person was and uh, in a short, very very short version um, I was being mentored off um, uh, a guy in the States, Joe Hashi he was was my mentor, he was a strength and conditioning coach, he owns uh, multiple gyms now, He, he started off with like a very, He started off in his garage below his house, training high school kids for football and, and, and such, American football. Then he moved into a, a bigger facility and then he grew and he grew and he grew and he grew. And, he grew. and it, his attitude and tenacity towards things just freaking blew me away. So I always tried to instill some of what he was... He was subconsciously teaching me. He, was, he wasn't aware that he was teaching me these things. It's just the things I picked up on. Yeah, aspirations, and I looked at him and thought, "That's I don't want to be a guy that owns gyms. But I want to be a guy that makes an impact as much as he he does." So I followed followed him, and he kind of just mentored me in certain things, and I took that and used it to into other facets of my life. So while I was over there in the states, I met a girl, and we dated for a little bit, and we had, it was a nice relationship. Be brief, and she asked me to come back. Well, I'd already had a business back in the UK. i just took three months out to, 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 to do this internship. And, uh, you know, because I enjoyed where I was at and I was just getting so much from it, not just from um, Joe or the relationship, but from the people there as well. They were always so supportive of everything that you wanted to do and who you were. It was a no-brainer for me, but hindsight, looking at it, that was an emotional buy-in. I was emotionally attached to everything that, that was there for me, so I didn't look at it from a logical aspect. So I returned back to UK, uh, ended up selling everything that I had, giving up my business. It was something I'd worked very hard towards building to move back over to the States. Okay. Um, I moved in with her, and within two weeks it went freaking pear shaped. So then I had to spend the rest of the time of the three months living back with Joe, who was very kind to say, Look, you know, regardless of what's happened, come and and live with us, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help you out. And it was that defining moment there that I thought, Man, like, I have just thrown everything away for one person who didn't really know me and, and all these other things. And I thought, I thought in my head, that was logic. That was logic thinking there. Surely it makes sense. I enjoy where I was at. I enjoyed the people. Um, it, it was, a, it was a, a blossoming relationship. Logic was screaming at me to do it. And then when I look at it, when I read that book, I was like, logic had nothing to do with that. <laughs> that, was, that was my impulse. That was my um, addictive behavior and that was my uh, irrational thinking. I wasn't thinking rationally, you know, and I didn't pause and stop and think. Now, if someone said, would you do it all over again? I probably would because I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. Uh, Things could possibly be different and I, I don't want to change that. But that was a defining moment. I thought, oh my goodness, like someone's... Obviously,
0: capitalized on my emotional aspect of it, yeah. He asked me to do something that I didn't really know what I was doing, and I've
1: left so much behind. Some something that I've worked so hard on because I was impulsive, as irrational, I had this addictive personality that that's what I wanted to be, that's what there's what I wanted to be. Like, and I've become quite addicted to that, and in that, that instance, there just made me think, right, I need to be a lot more sharper about who I am, a lot more sharper about the decisions I make and even more sharper about who I let in because people can see that vulnerability and that that side of you and use it to their advantage. I'm not saying that she did that because she didn't, Um, but that put up a few barriers and guards in a, a way to preserve myself and that preservation is what I've been working on for the last four years okay so I've been preserving that there and barriers and guards have been let down of course but only to the right people and to the right instances but you don't want to be a closed book but you don't want to be a, a freaking jazz mag that everybody freaking throws around either no do you know what I mean you don't want to be that one with the pages all stuck together and you can add its fill. You want to be something people appreciate. Do you
0: Cheers for you the mean? image. Yeah. Do you
1: know what I mean? You, you want to be, that, you want to be that, that that. person that people appreciate. Uh, and, and that was a turning point for me where that person didn't appreciate what I was doing and what I had done, what I was willing to do. They just used it for their own selfish gain. And yeah, there's absolutely. Nothing there's nothing wrong with that because that's what. Get, that's what gets people what they want but that doesn't always pan out for the other person as well no no and that's kind of like where i was at with that so that was the really defining moment so it wasn't anything um major uh, or anything that would make front front headline news or whatever but for me that that was a massive turning point i thought my goodness like people are just um are going to take that advantage if you allow them to do that if you don't stop think and pause just for that one minute just to think is this the right thing to do or not so
0: well it, you be, had you had be. enough of an open mind and clearly enough awareness to, to identify that in the first place and if you didn't have an open mind you wouldn't have had the awareness yeah and so much of what you've talked about I'd say 99% of it it links back to that one that those two words, open mind, mm. at the right at the very beginning of this conversation. Yeah. It, it's, it 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 just kind of runs through everything you've talked about.
1: A hundred percent. You know, I could I could have turned round at the end of that and blamed everybody else. I could have blamed her, and I could have you know really you know passed the buck. Oh, it's all your fault. You know, you've done this. You've ruined my life. She didn't put a gun to my head and even if she did you know what I mean I still have the decision to do what's right for me um, yep. and kind of didn't do what was right for me because I didn't stop stand I didn't stop still and, and listen just for a second to to the outcomes or look trying to envisage the outcomes I was too emotionally involved in on too many levels that that dictated that decision. Uh, and that book has just helped me understand that. So if I feel that I'm going to act on something emotionally, I have to I have to leave it 24 to 48 hours before I make a def- definitive decision. That is hard work trying to do that. By the way, trying to leave something for 24 to 48 hours to to allow those emotional that emotion to die down a little bit. That's quite hard to do. That's something I'm working on. Because th- that impulse side, still still tugging at the reins.
0: Oh, it's a strong driver, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: It's something that you just need to condition a little bit more and, and understand that you're in control of everything. Yeah, There's nothing that's out of your control. You can control everything. You can control your actions, your thoughts. Maybe not necessarily your thoughts, but you can control your actions and your behaviours. Your thoughts come and go like traffic. You're never going to stop them. It's how you acknowledge those thoughts. Spot on. And how you act on those thoughts. You can't change that. It's just how we're wired. But that can be a definitive between doing and not doing.
0: Very much so. And on that note, just as a final piece before we finish, is how much of an influence... Then has that book been on your decision to help that homeless guy that turned out to be a veteran from? Was he the same regiment as you?
1: No, he was the uh, Royal Artillery.
0: Royal Artillery. Yeah. Because uh, you talked about block, build, putting up barriers and walls, and only letting in people. Because it's a tough decision. Because I, 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 you know, you see homeless people on the streets, and it's it's easier to have that wall, that barrier up. Than to open up and engage especially as kind of as fully as you did yeah so is that part of that influence that's that that created that opportunity for you to help this guy it's, it's yeah because it was around
1: about the same time all that had happened so um, i I was um Yeah, so I was due to fly back out to New York at this point Um, and it happened just before that and I'd I'd, I'd already been kind of working through the book as it was but never really um, applying what I'd been reading so to speak and uh, it's, it's a weird one because it was... Not your typical situation where you just see someone lying in the street because in my hometown in Carlisle, there is certain areas where you'll find homeless people and that becomes the norm. You'll see them there. Yeah. Then day after day, week after week, you might see them move around the certain areas but not too far from where you seen them originally. Well, when I'd seen Phil, he was like stood out like massively and I don't know if that's because I was more of aware of it or it was um, something else just kind of caught my eye and I, I really don't know what it, it was to this day, what made me stop and stand and ask him. Um a very strong drive just to, just to go, you know when you just feel like you need to do something, but this, this, not, this is not a normal situation where you find yourself in. And so when I stumbled across Phil, it was, it was like middle of November, He only had a a shirt, like a t-shirt on, I think it was. And he just looked absolutely um, lost. Yeah. Um, He didn't know where he was at, uh, didn't know what he was doing. He was um, absolutely scared, witless, I think, and... Uh, I said it on the I said it on the documentary that when you look in somebody's eyes and you see that fear and you
2: re, you reckon you've recognised that fear before. Yeah. You know that a person is on desperate times that you
1: just have to do something. And I didn't know he was a soldier at this point. We hadn't had that conversation. I could just see in his eyes that he was a very very desperate man. And um, so that was it. That was enough. That's what really got the ball rolling with that and you know we picked him up and put him in a B&B for the night and took him down to the, the council the next day and uh, tried getting him some temporary accommodation and this was something that I wanted to bring up on the radio yesterday when, when we'd done that was that you know he wasn't a priority and the reason he wasn't a priority was because he wasn't from the local area like who makes these rules up yeah. How how can you possibly say they're not a um, a priority because they're not from the local area? Does that mean that his his human rights don't exist? That he has to succumb to living on the streets because he's not a priority, because he's not from the local area? Like I I just flipped with the the people in there and I thought like, you're useless. I'm not going to I'm not going to waste another moment with you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can't help fill out. So we took him took him for a brew, and then that's when he told me we were chatting away and he was telling us about his, his story about he ended up on the streets, and that's when he told me he was a, a soldier, and that's when I got in touch with the the British Legion and you know they picked him up, put him into a, a detox and into a, a veterans community over in the northeast. And uh He's, uh, oh, he's, you know, he, he was a functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, and just speaking to him just before, I think it's just before Christmas. He was on the phone because we try and keep in touch as much as we can. You know, he's, he's got himself. He doesn't drink to to the extent that he used to drink. So now he just has maybe the old one or two um he's got himself a girlfriend he's got himself a bungalow he's got himself a dog and he's got himself a part-time job and he's mingling back into those circles that he was he was mingling with decades ago people that had lost touch with him because of because of what had happened to him when he'd left the military and his his alcoholism took him to places and he he allowed that addiction to to take him wherever there was anybody there to feed him does that make sense? So yeah, absolutely. Someone said, come over here, come and live with us. You know, we'll have a right riot. Yes, you know, people I can drink with, so I can keep this drinking going. So he moved from place to place to place, social social circles to social circles. But he decided that was enough, and he decided he wanted to change that because he had that open mindset. Yeah. And he, he had someone like the RBL to 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 give him that opportunity, to give him that chance. And he's he's. He's designed his own life now based on that because he knew what it was to be so low that you couldn't get any lower. And you know, he, he said, If I didn't wake up
2: the next morning, I wouldn't have been bothered. Yeah. And that's when you know that is desperation right there. You know, that's
1: rock bomb. He needs that help. And he was open to it. He was open to it. He was inebriated with drink. He can't remember anything. So I had to jog his memory. He has no recollection. Really, of what
2: happened. Yeah,
1: these snippets. Um, But he's he's designed. He wanted to redesign his life and the redesign the way he is. And he's doing. He's doing so much. He's helping out in uh, a a mental health charity, helping uh, guys that have got uh, mental health issues. He's in there. He's he's integrating up to his coffee mornings. Like his life is how he wants it. And I've never seen someone smile. And be so ecstatic about just having the fundamentals and the basics in his life he never wants for anything because he's got all he wants and he's worked on it and yeah. he's given himself that opportunity to have it so that that's that's why I think that he's he's an inspirational character to me because he wanted that so he's built on it and designed it and he never wants for anything because he has got the, he's, he's got the basics he's got the simples, simple things that make him laugh smile, and enjoy life he doesn't want anything else more than that no and he's been reintroduced to his family as well family that he's lost touch with and his grandkids and everything so he's he's managed to rebuild those bridges and re-establish those connections and that relationship
0: you see i mean it's a it's a simple little thing that you did in in on on the face of it but when you when you kind of, when you peel back that cover, it's just it's phenomenally powerful what you did. That the the, the, the wide ranging impact it's had on him <clears throat> and for you, I would think.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, it's it, uh, it's it's um, you know that was like two years ago, and it's still. Uh, still does uh, excuse me sorry it's ok um,
0: it just shows the power of what you did doesn't it it,
1: it, it pulls him heart strings two years down the line now <clears throat> two years on it still pulls him heart strings because he's done that and and um, it makes me feel a little bit more upset and sad that there's, there's, there's people out there that aren't getting the help.
0: Yeah. Too many. Unfortunately, too many. But then, you know, in in, in it's, it shows that the, the beauty of the contrast on one level is that making you know, you feel you should make, You, in one respect, you could have made a more logical decision in, in moving to the States, as opposed yeah. to an emotional-based one, but that was clearly an emotionally-based decision that you made that was a phenomenal choice.
1: Yeah. So it does have its merits. It does, it's, yeah. It does have its merits. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I also try to contain that, that emotional side of it when Phil gets brought up, but Man, it's like you know, um, it 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 does just um, pull a side out of me that you know I, I haven't really got I haven't really dealt with because I wasn't even I wasn't even sure I was capable of giving someone that help, so um, or even being able to do that. So for me, it's it's kind of that's I think that's a a side that I need to obviously. Recognise and work on a little bit more, so it doesn't doesn't pull me into that that way of getting upset. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. It's absolutely you know, the, not. There's nothing wrong the with it. Of, 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 there's too much stigma around, like guys who get upset about this, you know, the pussies and the fannies, and all. I don't buy into any of that. Um, but I, I think there is something that needs work there, and that's that's something that I'm going to continue to keep doing. Um, you know, because uh, it's important. Just like what Phil's done, you know, he's continued to work on what he wants from his life, and he hasn't stopped. And I don't think he, I don't think he ever will stop, because he's got such a powerful drive to to keep that going. And uh, yeah. and, I've, and that's the sad part um, is that you know there's there's too many, not just veterans, just too many people in general just succumb to to addictions and succumb to their way of life and their way of thinking that this is the only outcome and it's it's i just don't think it's acceptable that people are allowed to to live like that and there's no interventions there's no real help there to help guide people away from that and say look you know this is not how it's meant to be this is just how you think it is this is not what it can be uh, and I think by being in the schools and getting that, getting the, that instilled in them now it will help them surely 10, 15 years down the line whenever they come to a, a decision that requires them to think about what they're about to do, they, they can always relate back to what they were taught at school and say, look, before they do anything, I need, you need to think about the outcomes here. Because that's how people get into addictions and things like that, and, you know, and, and obviously that, that goes off into destroying people's lives and everyone that's involved with
0: it. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Okay, it's been fantastic speaking to you. I've Thank absolutely, absolutely loved you. it. It's been rich, full, and just a brilliant conversation and and what what would you kind of in Keith Lemon style if you were to give people what is your message i will not I want to myself doing a Keith Lemon impression
1: uh, I, do, I do try i do try but i won't bother um, so what, what sorry what was the question
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be the most important is the, the number one thing that you, you would you, you kind of want to pass on to anyone and everyone that you come into contact with who needs a little bit of guidance, a bit of help, a bit of steering What would you? what's the, the key thing you tell people? Just be yourself you know
1: if you, if you try to be someone else or try to act like someone else then you're only going to disappoint others around you and they're never really going to get to know who you are as a person so always be yourself but Always be mindful about who you are as a person as well and just make sure that you've got some solid philosophies in life and some, some strong structures and some strong morals. And you'll find the right people to engage with and life will just be a whole lot better because you're surrounded by people that are always going to support you and never bring you down.
0: Beautiful. Stephen, thank you very much. And yeah, let's let's um, let's chat again at some point in the future.
2: Definitely. Thank Cheers, you very man. much, Simon. Thanks See a lot, you, take care. Bye. You too. Bye.
0: Well a huge thanks to Stephen there uh, that for me was a fascinating conversation packed full of so many uh, experiences and skills learned along the way through life military and civilian and uh, I'm just in awe of his uh, the level of compassion he showed to Phil uh, the homeless veteran that he discovered uh, in and helped in Carlisle and um, Stevens clearly uh, a very passionate and driven man and has a huge amount to offer these kids in in the schools that he's going to be working with and uh yeah i mean if i'd love to hear from anybody as to what else they discovered from this anything they've learned from it that they can take away from it because that it, it is it's a, it's a rich tapestry of such useful information that i hope you can really utilize and take on board so stand by for uh the next installment, which I will be organizing very shortly with somebody who I think will give you, from a very different perspective, uh, a fascinating insight into other ways that you can use your mind to become more resilient, both psychologically and physically. So, stand by for the next installment. Thanks, bye.